This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast EDH Rec Room, where we just talk about whatever we want to talk about. So this is unlike the normal podcast. This is a bit more on the casual side of the discussion. I am joined, of course, by Matt and Dana. Matt, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I just want to give a big thanks for nothing to whoever invented the number zero. I, th- thanks for nothing. <laughs> okay, so even in the rec rooms, you're going to be doing dad jokes. That's amazing. I'm always going to do whatever I can to just slip those dad jokes in. But yes, that's that's hilarious. I was not prepared for that. And uh, I'm also joined, of course, by Dana. Dana, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Um, I, I can't make the joke I made last time when we tried to do this show and had to <laughs> can it because um, that the audio didn't didn't take because I mm. referenced. That last secret layer, uh, secret layer garbage pail kids, but that's like a month old now at this point. So <laughs> it's true. Time um, has no meaning. It's a it's a boomer joke. So um, I'm just gonna say hi, 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 Dana. That's a a long form version of the word hi, but I I totally love it. And that is right. We are re recording this rec room. Uh, we did it one time before the audio it turned out it didn't work, but we do want to talk about this um, because. What, what are we talking about today? We're talking about power levels, the power level discussions that people have before the games begin um, to make sure that everyone's playing roughly at the same power level. So we just wanted to get some thoughts in about that because we are fresh off of the Command Fest online um, and we had some experiences there that maybe inform our feelings or we have some feelings that inform our experience and yada yada. So I don't know. That's just what we're going to be talking about right now. Well, let's let's yeah. get into it. Um, yeah, I, I would say so. So we're talking about the, the 10 scale that was on um, the, the channel Fireball is amazing for their events. So the jumping off point here is the the command zone guide that channel Fireball used their events for rating the power of the deck you're playing in. Um, I'll just quickly go over it. It's it's one to two for the fun of it. Um, that's you're more interested in theme than efficiency or winning. Uh, three to four casual, you're trying to win but with limited resources. Five to six focused, where you have powerful cards but few or no infinite or game ending combos. Seven to eight is optimized, lots of infinite and game ending combos and many powerful cards, but some of the cards are not from the highest tier of commander cards. And nine to 10 competitive, which is decks pushed to the absolute limit and only the highest tier of commanders and cards used. So that's the scale everyone kind of used at the event and that we've seen people more or less be using in most places. 
Um, so this is what we wanted to talk about. First of all, what issues, if any, do you guys have with the scale? <laughs> well, uh, how much but, time do you have is my question. <laughs> oh, man. And so that's just it. Like as soon as this starts, we're going to start off. It'll be it'll sound like we're on a hugely negative foot here. And I want to make sure that we like keep it. We're not just going to complain about the power scale like that is super not the mission here. But yeah, I do think that as a form of trying to get folks to equalize their decks together, I, I think that there are a lot of deficiencies that the scale presents. Um, and some of it comes with where I think certain power levels are classified. And most of it for me, at least comes with how things are classified. Um, and not even like which sections go where, but just the fact that there is both a nominal and an ordinal scale going on here really feels like it's affecting, uh, our, our ability to have these discussions a little bit too much past the point where it is an effective discussion. Um, and so that, that's kind of my, my grind with it. Well, and, and I, to its credit, and like, like you said, Joey, we don't want to be too negative. Um, so the old scale that people used to use just one to 10 and people would just assume, you know, five is, is pre-con level. I think as a community, we are well beyond five being, being average on the scale. That is the, the midpoint. Um, having that be pre-con level decks, because as we're going to discuss, not many people are playing pre-con level or below even. Um, so having a, a five kind of in the old paradigm representing uh, a pre-con level deck, that was the issue. And this kind of takes care of it a little bit, um, saying that three and fours, those are the casual decks and using the example of recent pre-cons, but also taking away just the strict number and giving categories to it. Uh, that is a great improvement in my mind because it gave a little bit more context other than just saying, oh, what's your power level? One to ten. You're like, because uh, if you're a newer player, <laughs> you don't know what you're basing it against. So getting sure. just any more information and context to kind of stack it up to, that helps immensely, especially with people who might be a little more new to the format. So it, it's better than what we had just with a just, oh, throw out a number and, and people would go with that. Um, is there room for improvement? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I guess like I, I'm also totally on board with there. I love the context that the categories give. My umbrage here is that the numbers prevent us from getting as far as we should with it. Um, but also I can hear Dana's brain breaking right now because I know that he's gotten <laughs> with some of the numbers here too, especially on the lower tier. Uh, I have an issue. Well, and, and I like the the, the idea of removing the numbers and just going with the categories for all kinds of reasons, um, including psychological, that people don't want to call their deck a particular number. That's I like, like the no, one, no one volunteers yeah. that their deck is a one. Like, that's one of my main things. Like, when you have an ordinal scale that is ranked this way, it implies that, like, it's supposed to be going upwards or something like that. And that's not necessarily true for Commander. There are plenty of us who tune decks downwards. So, like, having number, but I'm getting ahead of it. I'm sorry. I've, I'm completely interrupting you as I am wont to do. So, <laughs> no, go, go, go right no, ahead. I'm sorry, but, sorry. And I think that that's a really, that's a good point. Um, but I, I think. The bigger issue probably is I just don't think one to two, three to four. I don't think that's, that's actually a bracket. That's just one number. Like there's one cluster of decks that all play in there and play together. The difference between the precon and a, you know, one to two for the fun of it theme based deck is just non-existent. I, mean, I, I, I think number one, because the power level is just so like to build a deck whose power level is that much lower than a precon. I just don't know if you could do that really intentionally unless you're doing something crazy to make it a one, unless you're like on a dare and there's not enough decks. I don't think anyone is sitting around with their, with their deck. That's a one, the, the famous ladies looking left deck 
And I don't think they're turning down games with pre-cons because they're hoping somebody else walks in with their Autumn Willow Farmer's Market themed deck. <laughs> That's just like no one's ever going to come in. You're going to be there all day. You have to pick and choose and you're going to wind up playing against pre-con decks anyway. That's just one category of deck. We don't need four breakdowns for what is essentially a rounding error amount of decks that are playing at that power level that aren't really easy to tell apart in terms of strength anyway. So, and it's not just perception here. Like there have been um, some numbers actually put out that I, I I would say completely confirm what you're talking about here. Channel Fireball for the first Command Fest um, published the uh, where most of the population fell within the different power ranking in their pods. And then also it looks like a uh, spell table um, has a spell bot that also published a second version of that after the second command fest. Um, and I'll throw these images up here on the screen. Like they, they really bear out exactly what you are talking about. There were over 600 pods for both command fests. In the first one, the one to two category, the for the fun of it category, there were only 2% of games that landed within that frame. Um, in the three to four, it was like 10% of games. In the five to six, it was like 56% of games. In the seven to eight power level range, the optimized power level range, that was about 24%. And then in the nine to 10, the competitive, that was about 8%. So yeah, once again, in the lowest bracket, the one to two, two percent were there and that gets even more extreme with the data that we find for the second uh power level one for the second command fest because the one and the two don't even exist on this one in this image there isn't even that and the three i think is like marginally at a one percent it looks a sliver like, at best yeah it could still be a zero like there it's not too granular on this particular graph that they've put out um so it's hard to get an exact number for it but it is still like this is a very similar curve here that we're seeing the three is like maybe a zero point something percent um in the four range they had about four percent of games in the five it was maybe five or six percent of games landed there and then when you get to the six and the seven things skyrocket in the six you got 47 percent in the seven you got like probably 31 32 percent um and then in the eight power level range you've got seven percent in the nine you got three percent in the ten you've got two percent so like this is a very extreme bell curve like it is a normally it's a normal distribution for this bell curve but in both of these situations it is so extremely condensed within the center that like you said dana it's practically a rounding error to have a category for one and two as below a precon power level because that's just not really a thing that we practically see out in the wild well and and that's my biggest issue with uh, giving and this isn't to say that those those extreme theme decks, the, the ones and twos shouldn't be represented, but looking at the actual data, seeing the ones and twos combined with the nines and tens combined at this previous command fest, they occupied less than 10% of the games, yet they're taking up 40% for of the 10 data points right. on the power scale. And I think we should maybe move those. So, you know, you have the, pre-con and below level decks, maybe those become the new ones and twos. And then we just relegate the the hyper competitive decks to just a 10. And then that gives those sixes more, more space to break up because we're seeing almost half of the games that were played went into that six category. And I'm sure not all of them were the same type of sixes. So right. being able to lower that bell curve a little bit and evenly distribute those power levels, that's one thing I would love to see. And, and just getting a more accurate representation because when you have a lot of those like one, two, and three barely existed, nines and tens a little bit more, but also not a lot of games are being done there. So how can we as a community find a better way that's going to give the average deck 
more room to express itself. And, and so people will be able to find better games and more equally powered games in the future. I mean, my, my suggestion to the, the, the path of least resistance will be the least amount of work. If we're going to accept this as the baseline scale we, we're going with will be to just erase the numbers off it entirely and erase the, the description for one and two. And that will leave us with a, a category called casual trying to win by limited resources, a category called focused, a category called optimized and a category called competitive. I think that's a rough breakdown of what we see in the wild anyway. I, I frankly, yeah, like I again will come back to I think the numbers completely like they bias our like you mentioned the psychology of uh, how we want to engage with this because sometimes we will uh, even unintentionally will understate the power of our deck or will overstate the power of our deck. And mm -hmm. it's, it's very difficult. Like once you have numbers in there too, this is another conversation that is kind of shaped by people's knowledge of the game where something yeah. that is just a, a named category isn't necessarily like when you say competitive or optimized or casual, those are things that your brain can kind of grok onto um, that will probably give you a better description of what's happening within the game compared to well what is a 10 supposed to be what is an 8 supposed to be which is sort of to have a conversation with a newer player about what a 10 is supposed to be is going to be different than if i have a conversation with a person who's been playing for a very long time and who understands the competitive thresholds of the com of, of the edh format um like i'll have two very per different perceptions among those two people about what an, a seven is supposed to be um, and so that's another reason why I just like, oh man, I keep coming back to the numbers, but I just don't like that this is um, a nominal and an ordinal scale because they don't need to be ranked that way. The numbers get in the way and they, they bias our psychology and I, I don't, I don't like it. Um, I, I will amend something that you said earlier, Dana, like having the, the casual, the focus, the optimized, the competitive, that could be good. But do you think there's also room for like a, um, you know, you mentioned the, the ladies looking left or something like, should there be a category for theme decks too, or and I think they're playing, I think that's roughly playing at the same power level as the casual slash recent pre-con descriptor, mm. descriptor. I, I think, and I, I think even, even if we gave that type, de type of deck its own category, there wouldn't be enough people playing at it to get a game anyway. Yeah. I, I, I 100% agree. I, I think those people would probably identify their decks as casual anyways, because when you say theme, that doesn't have anything regarding like how powerful it is. Cause like my, uh, my Ukeem and Kazir deck, for example, that's plus one, plus one, plus one, plus one counter theme. And I think if I sat down with the typical ladies looking left deck, uh, I don't think there would be a very good sure. power level, like even ground when yeah. it comes to that. So I think, I think just saying theme, that is a little ambiguous. I think having something to do with the way the deck is constructed, like Dana said, the, the casual focused, optimized and competitive. I think if those were the four categories that we used, I think that that six category that we're seeing on the graph of how many deck or how many games were played, a lot of those sixes might have shifted down because people, like you said, Joey, they want to oversell or undersell. So they, they feel bad. You know, maybe they, they know their deck is a pre-con, pre-con plus level deck, but they feel bad saying it's a four. So they, they want to add a few points to it. I, I think if you just say casual, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it, this is what it is and give the descriptor that might encourage people and take away some of the negative stigma. What do you guys think about, you know, if if that was if that was the power scale that was used, do you think the numbers will be a little more evenly distributed from this past event? 
I, I really do. And and for the record, like, I think that this ought to be a bell curve. Like, I do believe that the majority of commander players consolidate within a certain area, but this is such an extreme bell curve that we saw with the, the data that was published here um, that it just feels like it's not really serving our ability to find the different types of games. And there's a lot more nuance to what's happening within the six and seven power. Like, because like right now, like 79% of the games are happening in the six to seven power range. And that just feels like, no, there, there's a lot more complexity happening in there. Um, that, that this isn't maybe serving as well. So I, I would totally love to see it stretched out a little bit more. Maybe there can be a fifth category. Maybe it can be better described than what I vaguely came up with. I do think that these are great words for it. And the other thing that we really need to express here is that it does have to be simple. Like this is a program, a system mm-hmm. that we want thousands of players to be able to use to, um, you know, to be able to find evenly matched games that will be resonant and enjoyable for the entire table. Everyone's looking to get the same thing out of that game. So it does have to be a really easy method of communication. Um, I, I just, and, and you know, this this first attempt at it, which is sort of how I view it, like this was something to try and it, I, I feel like it's not working and I'm hoping that a discussion like this can help um, rev it into something new a little bit and give it a, a little bit of space to, to breathe and reform um, into something that might be a little bit better. I, well, I think you you said the exact same thing. I was thinking about a lot of a lot of the substitutes people have proposed and come up with. They are overcomplicated. They're yeah. they're overthinking yeah. this, and it's got to be something very simple that you can go to a command fest and you know you sit down next to a, a middle schooler who's at his first event. Um, you know, if little Johnny or little Sally, you know, they, they don't know much about the game, you need to be able to have something that they can easily grasp just as much as you have the command zone guys and the EDH retcast guys. Um, we're all going to be on the same page. And I think that's something when people are proposing all these different, you know, oh, it's a, a 3.7 on this scale and a, a four on the the power and the intent. And like, I think it, it's got to be simple. And that's the biggest fault in so many other alternatives I've seen. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think you need to keep it simple and clean. And you also need to have the, the categories have enough people willing to say they belong to that category to actually find a group. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You have to take away that negative stigma of it, yeah. like encourage people to want to find the appropriate home. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that there is actually a negative stigma attached to numbers like one and two. So maybe that's one of my uh, one of the, the things here <laughs> that's stuck in my head. Um, I, I think that we've kind of made our our thoughts clear about this. We don't like the numbers. We would love to see it, um, you know, more described as certain categories to help people have that. But like even when you go to a game, like let's move now to a quick discussion about this to like even once you sit down in one of these categories you're still going to have a conversation like any ranking system or whatever like this is not an excuse to not have the rest of the conversation you do still have to have a not a rule zero conversation but a a pregame discussion about how to equally match power levels so real quick before we take off like maybe let's quickly talk about techniques or thoughts that we have about how to have that actual conversation with other players once you do sit down in a table well, for me, the, the biggest thing that these conversations have to be is they have to be honest. Uh, you, you cannot misrepresent or, or intentionally mislead people when you're having that power level discussion. Um, right. you, you have to start off and, and maybe even tell people a little bit about the deck. Don't give away trade secrets, but just say, hey, you know, I'm playing this deck and it kind of does this thing or, it, you know, oh, I wanted to play a fun Bog Brew Witch Tribal, and, and that'll give people kind of an idea of, you know, okay, the power level actually is what they're saying. 
Um, unfortunately, like that doesn't always happen. You know, if, if somebody misrepresents their decks, like those are going to lead to ne- negative experiences. And I, that's kind of where uh, a lot of the feel bads that people remember happen is, is when those conversations aren't honest. Yeah, I think that is, hits a nail on the head for sure. Um, for me, my, the main bullet points I kind of want to hit is I want to um, warn people in advance of any possible what I would call red flag. I think three things that generally um, can bump on people and make them unhappy with a game are a ton of counter spells, mass land destruction, and stacks. Um, I don't really play any of those things, but like if my deck has the appearance of possibly doing one of those things, I like to at least give people a heads up that that's not what's happening. I have a Talran deck. There's mm. definitely Talran variants that are running 30 counter spells. I like to give people a heads up ahead of time that it's not that Talran deck, just because it can be a bad time if you play against a Talran deck and it is that deck and you're not in the mood for it. So, like, right. that's those are some red flags I like to warn people about. Even though I'm not doing them, I like to like, make it clear that I'm not. Um, and I also tend to warn people about like really splashy and or expensive cards that might pop up in a deck, particularly <laughs> in a lower power level. <laughs> um, it, like, you know, I, I just built a, um, Adelaide's deck that's actually wound up being pretty decent. Um, pre- yeah, but that like it's crazy cool. <laughs> I love yeah. That. It, it, but, but it has a volcanic island in it too. And sure. like it's, the Volcanic Island probably is not what you would expect in a deck that plays the rest of the cards in that deck. Yeah, so it's all if like I sit down combat tricks and stuff like that, it's just right. not the kind of thing that I would usually associate with being powerful, but you make it really fun to see. And it does feel weird to see draft draft well, commons also alongside beta duels or whatever. Right. <laughs> so I get that. So, yeah. so I, I also don't want to create that, that, that sense of tension immediately when I like say, okay, we're playing at a six power level and I flip over that turn one Volcanic Island or something. Um, I like to like warn people it's going to be coming because the rest of the deck isn't going to be what you'd expect to see from a deck containing a volcanic island. <laughs> I, I, Dana, I've had the exact same problem. Um, I remember when my Moldrotha deck was plus one plus one counters before it became Akima and Kazer. Um, and I told people, you know, it's I know it's Moldrotha, it's plus one plus one counters. I just I I don't have a good other commander for it. Um, and I drew my opening hand and I played a turn one underground sea. <laughs> but then I played a turn one implement of ferocity, which is such a commander staple. This, yeah, um, so, I don't even yeah. Know, like what what is what is yeah, that? it was the most expensive land followed by like a two cent card. Right. Um and so like like you said, Dana, like giving people some some forewarning of like, yes, like I do have some fancy cards in here, um, but making sure that your first few turns kind of reassure people that you are yeah. actually like sticking to your word. Um, because if you tell people this is a, a, a four power level, but then you open up with mana crypt. There's right. people that are going to raise a side eye. Right. That's what I'm like. The, the difference that you guys have here is that like y'all have been playing this game for like 96 years. So you've got the dual lands, but that's fun. 94. <laughs> I'm not that old. But, like that's a very fundamentally different thing than someone like having a mana crypt in the deck. Like no putting a mana crypt into a precon does not make it a suddenly super powerful precon. But at the same time, if you say that your deck is at a casual power level and you play a mana crypt, I will raise my eyebrows a little bit compared yeah, to you guys having a, a, a mana base um, of, of dual lands or something like there's a, a difference between that type of level of card. Like there are some things. I don't know, some cards that when you offer up like, hey, this isn't that type of deck and then you play a mana crypt, like there are certain cards in that tier of category that I'll be like, okay, I I don't know that this is necessarily where you think it is or 
they're, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I should probably digress at this point. Um, and earlier, Matt, you said something that um, it, it kind of like you said, don't give away any trade secrets necessarily. Like you don't have to do that as part of the discussion. But man, I I really will. Like I I am fine giving away like, hey, here's what my deck does. A thing that I think is kind of fun is to like ask, hey, what's the most powerful card in your deck? Or I'll offer up what I think the most powerful card in my deck is or something like that. Um, and I'm perfectly fine saying, you know, this is a thing that my Conrad deck likes to do. This is a thing that um, it can do. I, I'm fine giving away the trade secrets, I think, because I would so much rather have like the five minute conversation before the game that gives away too much info, even if that costs me an edge or whatever, if that will then lead to an hour long game, that's really, really fun. Like I'd so much rather have that, that sure. quick discussion there, even if I've given some game away, like obviously when you're in the super competitive stuff, you're not going to give anything away. But at, at the same time, like I will give away information if it means that we're going to have a, a better time. I'm fine with tossing out the trade secrets out well and, and maybe i should clarify then kind of what i meant by that is you, like you don't have to give away like your exact win conditions and like oh i'm playing this specific combo um like when i describe my miri deck to people who haven't played against it i tell them this is you know my favorite color combination and I, i'm just playing cards that make me feel things like rich cards expertise is my favorite card in the deck because it's just my favorite card probably ever um so yeah i i will give away like kind of why I'm playing the deck or a, a, an aerial view. But mm -hmm. for a lot of people, like you said, they, they, they're afraid, like if they give away a single card, like if I tell you Sol Ring is in this deck, I'm losing percentage points. <laughs> right. That is not the case. Uh, and so I, I, I guess kind of more what I should have uh, described it as is you don't have to give away like your entire deck list. You don't have to tell people exactly how you win, but giving some people just a good idea of what to expect even that isn't going to cost you anything. And like you said, Joey, g giving people the respect of, I'm going to have a, a little conversation with you. I'm going to, you know, honor your time by investing a little bit up front. Um, yeah, I, I would rather err on the side of giving away too much information and, and have it be a game where nobody feels like I pulled one over on them than yeah. risk causing a feel bad situation. I'd rather, I'd rather lose a game because I gave away too much information than have three other people feel bad because I didn't properly clue them into what was going on. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's like fun questions that you can have too. Like what is the most powerful card? What's your favorite card? Like Matt said, um, what, what's your ideal, uh, maybe end game look like maybe that can paint a broad picture. Um, uh, like I mean, I, Shel Sheldon Mennery has a really good question that he asks people when he when he plays games like this is what turn do you expect to win yeah. and so saying you know oh this is probably like a a turn eight deck most of the time if things go really really well for me and i have a, a god hand um i might be able to win on turn six uninterrupted um but that is a really good question because that doesn't tell anybody about the actual cards in it you're just giving people a, a timeline of of what you're trying to do and how quickly you're trying to do it. That's one question. And I mean, leave to Sheldon to have a good idea about the, the format, which has never happened <laughs> <Right>. before. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, obviously. Um, but that, that's one of my favorite questions to ask is, um, what, what turn do you expect to win with this deck?
Yeah. And that holds people accountable too. If they say a turn and then it goes three turns earlier than what they said, it's kind of like, well, is your deck designed to do that? Is that really a fluke? Like that's the thing that you can actually. Did you, did you just tutor up that one condition with a really obscure tutor, which probably implies you have a bunch of tutors in your deck, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Or, or like another question that I think might be fun is like, how comfortable would you feel playing this against a pre-con or, or like, there are just so many different questions that you can ask to yeah. situate power. What are you after in this game? Um, because really we just can't treat like the categorizations alone as a proxy for having that conversation. It does definitely need to be had. Um, and there are a lot of ways that we can suss out particularly what everyone in the game is looking for. And hopefully we've all got, you know, uh, like-minded things based off of categorizations that don't have numbers in them. Like that's, that, that's going to be it for me. I just, I, I don't like the numbers. I think the numbers do a very poor job of aligning our interests in a commander game. Um, so I'm, I'm wagging my finger over and over. <laughs> Fair. By and large, my games this weekend were pretty balanced. Everyone was had a pretty good understanding of their power level. I didn't really feel like any of the ones I was really in were disbalanced or anything. So people seemed to do a good job with self-evaluation, at least in the games I was in. And and Matt, I think you mentioned that you had actually had a little bit of trouble on on that front, if I recall. Yeah, we I mean we did have one and you know, we kind of went around the table and, and we had that conversation and, and the one person that was a little vague um, ended up being, uh, I mean, their their deck within four turns, we could tell uh, their their deck was not as advertised. Sure. And and that's that's also a thing. Like, I suppose any system that we come up with, there's always going to be yeah. that possibility. It really is impossible to remove. There is no perfect system. Um, but, you know, I, I think that this is just a fun conversation to have to hopefully gently improve the the current system that is here. Um and we've we've got our thoughts on it, but I think also like it's would be really cool to hear listener thoughts on it too. Just finding yeah. a, a simple system that will help folks align their interests in a commander game, and uh, you know, make sure that everyone has the uh, the experience that we're all looking for. And the experience we're looking for is me winning. 